Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, I ask you to please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and our YouTube channel, where you can access all our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in the faith journey. Enjoy. We are in a series called Battle Royal as we've been looking at different parts of the book of Ephesians and this one is about the spiritual battle that uh, has been going on since time began, actually before time began. I've titled it Battle Royal and we're looking at the king's armor over the next few weeks. We are living in a time of increased hostility toward the gospel in our culture um, while great hostility has been toward the gospel in other cultures in other parts of the world um, do you know that there has been more persecution of the Christian church in the last 100 years that has been at any other time in history other than the first century it's because it's not here that we may not think of it that way, but in Iran and in China and parts of Africa, it's intense. I've heard people say before that when the Great Tribulation begins, in some of those places of the world, it will just be like another day. Um, but there is a battle, and we've been talking about it, and we are called to be engaged in it but engaged in it in this kind of way, with the love of Jesus in our heart and the light of Jesus in our lives. Uh, because there are people who will receive the gospel. That's the most amazing thing to me, that God can take your life and my life and use us, even when we're not aware of it, and touch somebody's life make a difference in somebody's life, change somebody's life. But you know what? There is a great resistance to that. We've been told that we have an enemy and we have to engage in the battle. We have to engage in the right battle because we're told that we aren't in a battle with flesh and blood. We are not in a battle with other people. We're in battle with an entity that's much stronger and more scheming and strategic. Uh, two points I wanted, before we dive in deeply into this message, two points I want to make. One is about this war. Uh, it reminds me of a lyric by Bob Dylan where he says, the executioner's face is always well hidden. Paul says that Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelieving who are perishing so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and be saved. But the enemy is also seeking, if he can't blind our minds as the faithful, he wants to influence our minds. He's always seeking ground, always seeking to make an influence. And he has schemes and he's strategic and we are not to be unaware. We are not to be ignorant. We're not to be asleep. The imagery is of an enemy setting an arrow on fire and shooting it, aiming it at his opponent so that if the, the actual uh, hit doesn't take you out, the, the, the burning that, that begins in the life will do so. That's the imagery. For those in darkness who are lost, he wants them to remain so, unaware that they're lost even up into the day of death. But for those like us who are found and in Christ, uh, he wants us to live an unfruitful life, saved but unfruitful, distracted, deceived, create memory loss in us if he can, intimidate us by any means possible to back away from being a light, from being afraid to, being, to uh, confess Jesus as our Savior, and on and on. 
The Bible shows Satan not only warring, but raging in his attitude. That he's raging in his attitude to make war. Why? He fears the church. Satan fears the church of Jesus Christ. He fears the church rising up in the power of the Holy Spirit. He fears every generation, future generations, going after God, going after Jesus. He fears a generational baton pass that the next generation takes the gospel with more intensity than the last one. He fears you and I knowing we're sons and daughters of light and being it. He fears you and I and future generations actually being harvesters. Where Jesus said, the workers are few. He fears the workers increasing. He fears the workers being many. Not busy, but led. He fears you being enriched by the Holy Spirit. He fears you being empowered. By, he fears you being empowered by the Holy Spirit. He fears you being directed by the Holy Spirit. I was running yesterday up Willowbrook Road and I had the Bible on, 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 in, in my ears and I was listening in Acts 5 where the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go join yourself up to that chariot out on the Gaza Road. And it says, and Philip ran to the chariot. The devil fears you running when God says go. He fears it. He fears you being led saying to God when I was running and I was tired and I was running and I, I said, Lord, I just want to throw my sail up into the harvest wind of your power, right? He fears you and I being directed by the Holy Spirit. He fears you serving the saints. He fears you and I shining like, I coin it this way, mobile lighthouses of hope. I prayed yesterday, God, make us mobile, moving lighthouses of hope. Do you not know that your body is a house of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Let's go somewhere. Being, he doesn't want us to do that. He fears that. So the war is here and he's raging and we have to armor up. It reminds me of a line from Shakespeare's Henry V. I'm sure you were thinking of that this weekend too. <laughs> In peace there's nothing so becomes a man as modest stillness and humility. But when the blast of war blows in our ears, then imitate the action of the tiger. Stiffen the sinews, summon up the blood, disguise fair nature with hard favored rage. Or as they say down south, we got to be engaged in the army, folks. <laughs> Satan is not about ruining our cruise ship comfort, sail on sailor, party on going nowhere. Warfare. But if we get focused on the Great Commission and really become, Lord, lead me as a living house of hope, light in my life about the Great Commission, He's all about distracting us from that. He's all about stopping us building the house of God for the great king in every city in America and in Paris and in London and in Scotland and in across the West. He is not wanting us to build a great house of God in cities around the Western world. He, he, he is wanting to distract us from building a wall of protection around the people of God in the spirit for now and for the future and he has engaged and declared war so that's a word about the war but another word i want to share before we dive in today is a word about power about god's power we are not to live in our own power we are not living if we're living in our own power and we're definitely not winning 
Paul tells us we have to be about the power of another. He says, be strengthened in the Lord and the strength of his power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. I cannot stress enough the need for heaven's power to be in our midst. In our Sunday gatherings and anytime we gather, I cannot stress the need for our ministries to be empowered. Listen, it's great to be nice at the coffee machine, but if you're serving, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's great to be winsome when you're greeting people at the door, but also be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit if you work in the nursery. And you, uh, uh, a double dose. You need, you, it's important that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's one thing to learn your lesson. It's another thing to be prepared with the markers and the pens and the stuff. But it's also muy importante that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? We cannot outprogram the enemy. We must outpower him. We must. I cannot stress enough how important it is that our families live in the power of the Holy Spirit. That in our lives we live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul's mentioning of these pieces of armor we're going to look at today and next week, I'm going to break it in two, is the mention of the armor, he is revealing the targets, the target points of the enemy. Where the flaming missiles are headed, Paul mentions these pieces of armor to let us know this is where you're targeted. This is where the country's targeted. This is where the church is targeted. This is where he's targeting your children. Battle on. Armor up. The targeted aim of the arrows are for the following. Here's your verses. Stand firm, therefore, by fastening the belt of truth around your waist, by putting on the breastplate of righteousness, by fitting your feet with the preparation that comes from the good news of peace. We'll look at those today. And in all of this, by taking up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. With every prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. See that? There's praying and then there's praying. There's getting through your prayer time and then there's praying through in your prayer time. You know what I'm saying? Pray in the Spirit. And to this end, be alert with all perseverance and requests for all God's people. Pray for me also, Paul, me, that I may be given the message when I begin to speak, that I may confidently make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may be able to speak boldly as I ought to speak. I was thinking today, God, I pray this prayer. Lord, I don't want anybody to be offended by the offense of me. If I present the message from your heart that offends people that the point they leave, I would, I I pray that I would be okay with people leaving if I present the message from the heart of Jesus, then I would be okay with people staying because I'm not presenting the message from the heart of Jesus. We're in a war. Here's what Paul is saying to us from these pieces of armor. First of all, God's provision requires my participation. My participation. Your participation. These are grace gifts granted to us by God himself. The God who, I love it how the word describes, he loves us. He is for us. He has secured the victory in Christ for us. We are not fighting to win. God has already won. We are fighting to enforce the victory and remain firm in it. 
We are in a position where the Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. If we are in Christ Jesus, we are more than conquerors. We are fighting from a victorious position. And it's very important that we have that idea as we realize the battle that rages. But it requires our participation, like the Narnia kids. Aslan empowered the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve to engage. Peter had to use the sword, right? Jesus says to the, to the disciples, I've given you, I've given you power to trample on scorpions and all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you so he gives us the power we have to participate the Holy Spirit said it in the past through Nehemiah as they're building the protective wall Nehemiah has worked the name Nehemiah in Hebrew means comforter of Yahweh who is that the Holy Spirit. It's like the Holy Spirit in a man is saying to, through, through a man, what the Holy Spirit is saying to the to people of God today. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families. Fight for your sons and daughters. Fight for your wives and your husbands and your homes. God's provision requires my participation. God's action is, I'm giving you my armor. I'm giving you my power. But then notice in these passages the action verbs. Stand. Stand firm. Fasten. That's me. I've got to fasten. I can pray, God, please come down and fasten my belt. Not going to happen. Fasten your belt. Fasten your belt. Put on God's armor. That's my participation. Fitting your feet. Taking up the armor. Take the shield. Extinguish the flaming missiles. It's not praying God extinguish the... No, you extinguish the Narnia kids. You extinguish. Don't worry. If it gets past you, Aslan has your back. You pick it up. Why is this? Because God loves the sons and daughters to be able to triumph over the one that took them down in the garden. He wants you. He wants you because that digs at Satan. That digs at him. If you stand up and you beat him in the name of Jesus. God's provision requires my participation. Pray and pray for everyone and pray in the spirit and pray with an alertness to listen to God in that time of prayer. Ananias, yes Lord, there is a man named Saul. He is on a street called Straight. He has seen in a vision you coming to him and anointing him and praying for him that he could see again and I will tell him what to do. But Lord, I've heard things about him. Go. I believe that the same Holy Spirit still has people like that. And if we are those kind of people engaged, it's one thing to pray our list. It's another thing to say, God, on this list, here I come to serve your purposes, to throw my sail up into the wind of the harvest. Lord, here are my feet. I want to participate. Send my life somewhere. I am a living house of hope, a lighthouse at the bank, at the supermarket, at the store, at Cousin Susie's house. We're in line at, the, at SeaWorld this summer. Lord, I am a, light, a mobile. Lord, I'm listening. I don't know the person in front of me, but the Holy Ghost could say that person in the blue shirt. Pray for them. Now. That's how he works. But the enemy, and the enemy knows that, so he wants to get you and, and me in a whirlwind of distraction and all kinds of things, and he'll start right here with a flaming missile toward what is true. And Paul says, tighten up the belt of truth. A recent Axios article from summer, August of 2022 gave reasons why people have begun to change their religious affiliations in, in, the, in the whole uh, broad community of Christianity. Uh, a survey of 6,620 U.S. adults 
over the whole month of August, uh, uh, Josh was kind to put this, this chart together. It, it, it goes on, it, it says these things, um, 67% had stopped believing in the religion's teachings. Again, they're basically talking about Catholic and Protestant Christianity. 67%, 30% over the fact of the negative religious teachings about or treatment of the LGBTQ plus community. 29% family was never that religious to begin with. Um, 18% a traumatic personal event. And 17% church or congregation uh, became too political. As you, as you look deeper into this, and you can find this online, Axios, A-X-I-O-S, um, the survey was done by a, a group that, uh, called uh, PRRI, American Values, and, and they, they go in deeper to this. Um, but what really got me is that the members of the Gen Z community, which is ages 11 through 26, I always appreciate so much the local uh, train uh, company that never, fail, never fails to come at just the perfect time. Um, members of the Gen Z, uh, 11 to 26, um, this, uh, this, this group right here will make the difference in the next elections, not whether you ha do voting, register, uh, this group right here. This group right here is setting the future of the United States of America. I'm not saying that right, wrong, whatever. I'm just saying this is the most engaged. Uh, and and, and just, so, just to show you uh, where, where Gen Z is, 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 is seen here um, regarding views um, reg toward... Uh, what the church stands for or doesn't stand for, especially in the area that, that's mentioned above. Um, my point in that, it, it, there are a number of points in that. Um, the survey found that the Catholic church had lost the highest percentage of followers, 39%, and the non-evangelical Protestants were second, 28%. A non-evangelical Protestant, um, how would I say it, street language, they're church people that aren't really saved. Um, non-evangelical, <laughs> hard to tell what they, who is, it's hard to tell. I know that's broad brush, but for time, uh, check me out, I'm, I don't think I'm wrong on that. Um, Non-evangelical, a lot of that is where you don't really believe the Bible's the word of God. The, 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 there's all many ways to God. If you do Barna research studies on this, you'll find out the same. Uh, the, the concern I have is that that idea, those mindsets, and those things that have turned the light out of many non-evangelical Protestant churches in the past 20, 30, 40 years is now creeping its way into the pulpits in the evangelical church. That's a whole other message. But I said all that to say, it's time to tighten your belt with truth. The need for powerful, present encounters of the Spirit of God in the, in, in the church, in the local church, uh, it can't be underestimated. It can't. Because you can't argue these points out with people. You can't Bible shoot people. But I have watched in my life people who, who had a mental belief about something and nothing could change be in the presence of a, of a, of a power greater than argument and intelligence and academia, a power from heaven that changed a person in their soul. Because a lot of these outward arguments and ideas really aren't the argument. There's something deeper, something farther back. As you see, my heart breaks for people that have been traumatized in, in, in churches, but also out of churches. I mean, the church has no collar on trauma issues and, 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 and uh, hypocrisy. But the enemy makes hay with it. Well, of course you would, wouldn't you? 
Get people as far away from the opportunity to hear about Jesus, experience the presence of God as you possibly can. My heart hurts for sheep who've been traumatized or abused by a church or leader. We've had people over the years that have come here and said the reason we love LOH and we're staying is we feel safe here. And that means a lot to me. I thank God for that. But I also think, where did you come from? Where'd you come from? What does that mean? We feel safe here. We need the healing presence of Jesus. We're people who have been battered since childhood, have been, have been unfairly abused and oppressed. And, and the way we stand for truth is very, very important. But you hear a lot about people deconstructing their faith today and major people, people known And I I wonder a lot of times, I actually wonder if many times, that some of those who are deconstructing from the faith ever had a genuine faith to start with. I've met people over 40 years in following Jesus. The people I know that have not turned back, who have had the same experiences that people who give up have had exactly, but don't, including me. Why I haven't is because no person got me in. No person could have. My father grabbed me by the ankles and pulled my little self off of my bed as I spouted to him how valiantly I was going to take my stand and not be forced to go to church. And he said, well, boom, up and at church I went. And I vowed on the way, I won't sing, I won't stand, I won't worship, I won't blah, 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 blah. And I sat there the whole time and at the end you've heard it a thousand times but it's always bears repeating God and the presence of heaven came down on my life and I was at the altar within minutes weeping my soul out as the Lord began to scrub me up and change my life that's the reason that I haven't turned back because it wasn't some minister that won me over. It wasn't some cool youth group that won me. It was an encounter. The people I know in my life that haven't turned back, who have had all kinds of crazy, unfair experiences, are described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he's chosen you, because the gospel came to you not simply with words, but with power with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You became imitators of us and the Lord and you welcomed the message in the midst of suffering with the joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. That's what I had. And the Lord began to ring out his message through you. And people began to see, listen, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. The people I know that are somewhere in that sort of sphere, they're still walking it out. Though a thousand fall at their right hand, 10,000 at their left, they're still walking, hurting, struggling, limping, and wimping but they didn't come in through a program they came in through a power encounter if you don't have that I don't give you much chance if all you have is shaking a preacher's hand I'll tell you what you need to get a deeper dose of the ghost can I just say it like that if all you have is a is a pamphlet my friend, I, w- I would go for, I would dive in the deep waters of the spirit and I would grab a hold of the horns of the altar. I'd say, Jesus, turn me inside and out. I don't know if you'll make it if you don't have that. I'm looking you straight in the eye. I don't think you'll make it. But I'll tell you what, if you have that, when hell comes from the north, south, and the east, and west, and you know that if it depends on you holding on, you're not going to make it, but the one who brought you in is still holding on to you. You'll make it, friend. You'll make it. 
That wasn't in my sermon, and I'm not charging you for it. That was from the Lord. The, let's go on. The best advice I can give you about truth is this. Truth is a person. Truth is Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. If, it, if, if I say I'm in truth and it's not like Jesus, it's not really true. But Jesus is the truth. I'm not looking to hold on to a truth. I'm looking to hold on to the, to the one who is truth. That's the best advice I can give you. Here, that, and so the devil's flaming arrow is aimed at what you believe is true. Did God really say, is there really a war? Look, the kids are enjoying prom. Look how pretty behind the fountain. Look at the girl's dress. Look at the blue sky. What a weekend. Yes, that's true. But there is a war, an invisible war that is aimed at every one of those beautiful kids. It just is. If God's word is true, that's true. Paul says, here is where he's aiming. Second, your heart. And Paul says, shield the right kind of righteousness in your heart. The right kind of righteousness. Some of these stats here, some of these stats here is because these kids are saying, you were so hell-bent on being right, but the way you righted your rightness. Shield the right kind. Of, the righteousness of Jesus is not rigid. It's deeply relational. The Pharisees were right in their biblical views of the law of Moses, except for one big part. <laughs> the truth of the old was that Jesus is the way. Jesus was the one that the old was pointing to. And they missed that with him standing right in front of them. And they did it out of fear of being wrong. Their protection was for the truth instead of falling at the feet of the truth. Paul says the enemy will allow you to stand in truth and fight in truth and go out here to when they put the, if they do put the abortion clinic in, go out there in the name of right and just be as wrong as you can be. But there is a right kind of righteousness. You with me? There is a right kind of, shield the right kind of righteousness in your heart. Here's what I mean. A person born of the Spirit is born with a new righteousness in the heart. God promises that. A new righteousness, a God run. And then we have to shield that kind of righteousness. It's like this. There's within I, my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. That's the kind of sweetener he puts in his coffee. <laughs> Fear not, I am with you. Peace be still. Anybody ever hear that song? It's corny and it's old, but it's sweet and it's righteous. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name mine. Lecrae ought to record that again. Fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. That's the right kind of righteousness. Do you hear that little melody in there? Huh? What a fortress a sweet spirit keeps. I've said it to so many of my friends. I have no control over how many people will be in the church I'm pastoring the day I die. The only thing I have control over one thing is standing before the Lord after all the things that made people say, I'm out. To stand before the Lord with a sweet spirit. Oh, the fortress of a sweet spirit when you've been lied to, when you've been left, when you've been betrayed. 
when you've been murdered in your soul to still have a spirit that's sweet and only God can create that in you but we have to participate we have to put the shield up over that as 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 I've talked to to law enforcement that, that about protecting aiming for center mass right your heart the vital organ right you can shoot somebody in the kneecap that would hurt you can shoot somebody in the foot don't ever want to have that happen to me but you hit somebody's center mass, it's over. Satan is always going for the kill shot. It's not what happens, but what happens to you in what happens. The right kind of righteousness. David talks of it like this. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. He says at another time, full of the Holy Spirit, my heart is filled with a noble theme. I recite my words to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready writer. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. When his praise is continually in your mouth, not just the church, it's because the treasure of your heart is sweet. He says, shield the, with a breastplate over that place of you. Why? Because your heart is the wellspring of your life. Anger and defensiveness cannot lodge there. We cannot. Listen. This is not the song that we want the world to think we're singing. I am a snob, 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 snob down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Down in, I am a snob, and I'm so snobby, so very snobby. Right? Uh, no, 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 no. It's funny, right? It is. How does Jesus describe an attractive servant of the kingdom? Salty, bringing the God colors out in the world. The Pharisees had Bible scripture boxes literally tied to their foreheads. Shield the right kind of righteousness, like Joseph in the Old Testament. Now, if there's a guy that had a bone to pick with everybody, right? He's given the father's coat of many colors favor on his life. His brothers hated it. It triggered their situation. I don't know what the dad's problem was with the other brothers. That's a whole other issue. But that wasn't Joseph's fault. That was Jacob's fault. So they stripped Joseph of the favor on his shoulders, but they couldn't strip it from his heart. And he's falsely accused. He's falsely accused of sexual... Uh, Abuse, uh, not true. Thrown in prison, no one came for him. And in prison, Joseph is still being Joseph. He is interpreting the dreams of others. You know what that is? In his heart, there was a melody. You know why he didn't sin against Potter, with Potiphar's wife? He said, how can I do this wicked thing and sin against God? Right? So his view of sexual sin was right, but he wasn't rigid. The reason he didn't was out of relationship because he had a heart righteousness. He loved God. See, there is a battle over, listen to the next slide. There is a battle over flesh and blood, not against flesh and blood. The enemy is aiming for center mass. And if he can get it early, it's a long time recovering. He's aiming for the heart of our kids. He's aiming for the minds of our kids and our grandkids. And while good Christians sleep, there are people I, I, I wish we had the, the fervor to evangelize the way the LGBTQ plus, not all of them, 
but some of them with the passion to not only make us aware, but to make me bow. To convert the church. And the only way to engage that is with the anointing of the Holy Spirit to have a wellspring to guard your heart and give your heart. Because like every other uh, sin, Jesus died for everyone. And nobody could argue, actually, when the, when, the, when the anointing of the Holy Spirit began to draw my heart, I lost all power of argument. It's amazing how my attitude changed between 9 a.m. and noon on that Sunday. I went back to my house and looked for my treasure chest that had been sitting next to my rock and roll stereo speakers for years. And I went to that book and said, take me to Narnia. The third and final piece today is this, secure your footing in the peace of God. Peace of God, secure your footing. Ephesians 6 verse has always been hard to understand unless you're connected to the Old Testament because Paul is literally quoting and referring to something that Isaiah the prophet mentions in the 52nd chapter, which is not, they weren't chapters. Isaiah has been on this long poem about the, the picture of Messiah that he sees becoming this suffering servant but exalted by God and the, the watchmen who see what's happening six centuries before Jesus is actually born, which is mentioned in the seventh and ninth chapter, which weren't chapters either, but he is showing this picture of people who see what God is doing through this servant and how the servant's going to win the battle and how he's going to change the course of history and bring all of God's people out of captivity. And he gives this picture of the, these watchmen who know it coming up on a high mountain so their voice can really carry and their feet are beautiful because they are announcing good news. And the good news they're announcing is this. God reigns. God is in control. God has won the victory before the battle even started. Before the first shot, God has already conquered. Because I see in the future what's yet to be, and Messiah is going to win the battle. That's the imagery. That's the imagery in the war. Stay with me. Secure your footing in the peace of God. Hitch up for a minute to Isaiah 52. Listen. How delightful it is to see approaching over the mountains the feet of a messenger. Here we are, mobile lighthouses of hope, guys. Mobile lighthouse. Feet of messengers who are announcing peace. See, we are, in, we are advancing in the war. A messenger who brings good news, who announces deliverance, who says to Zion, short version of that, Zion is the, uh, the chosen people of God of every race that God ha is, is, is steering the, har the harvest of the Spirit through the Philips and the you and the me to these people. We go, we have peace on our feet, we understand what God is doing in the midst of all that we see. In the midst of the contrast, in the midst of the combat, we know something. We've seen the end from the beginning. He announced before he was born that he's already won. And kings will shut their mouths when they see him. It's already, and the messengers who see it are coming and getting on a high mountain, exalted with God. And they're saying, God reigns. And he's revealing his power in the sight of all the peoples. The entire earth is going to see the deliverance of God. That is a different image than being afraid that you're going to get knocked out tomorrow. Peace on your feet. Understanding who he is. We win. Peace on the feet. We're on a mountaintop. We have a message that's filling our souls. We have good news. We're delivered. God is powerful. Jesus is king. And he is reigning already. Paul says, get your feet prepped in that and stand firm. Flaming missiles attacking your thought life, accusations coming, you say, but I know and I stand and I declare. Yeah. 
hmm, suggestions about this and that, but I know and I stand and I declare, put peace on your feet. Get up there where God wants you to be. Doubts, but I know and I stand and I declare, I'm standing firm in the position of being at peace with God and God at peace with me. He reigns, he's watching over me, he's watching over us. We are in a place of victory and I'm proclaiming it as fact. God is in control. Yeah. In the, uh, in the, in the, in the 1500s, a German monk who had, who had been changed by the words of Paul from Romans wrote this song. You've probably heard it before. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? If not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing, dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he, Lord Sabaoth his name, from age to age the same. Just let that simmer a minute. From age to age the same and he must win the battle and though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us we will not fear for God has willed his truth to triumph through us the prince of darkness grim we tremble not for him his rage we can endure for his doom is sure one little word shall fell him that word above all earthly powers no thanks to them abideth listen the spirit and the gifts are ours you wonder what Martin Luther thought of the spiritual gifts right there reformists right there cessationists who want to quote Luther up ah, read the song the spirit and the gifts our hours, 15th century. Isn't that interesting? Through him who with us sideth, let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still, his kingdom is forever. That's good stuff. Mental peace. What a battlefield, right? The mind has been a battlefield my whole life long. You? Many wars have been fought there already. But here's the thing. In the truth of God, with my heart shielded from the influences, with the sweetness always flowing, the attack of the heart cannot reach my soul or my mind. After someone asked me this morning a couple questions about my, my life and asked me stuff, and that was pretty cool, but um, <laughs> there are some lessons I've learned through the warfare of three decades and they, they are these. I don't have a slide for these, but just the prophetic word of God through people that walk in the spirit, that really walk with God, have been ways that God has saved my life through turns and twists and turmoils. The prophetic words from people led by the spirit of God, the manifest gift of the spirit of the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, these things. Paul says to Timothy in the scripture, hold to the prophecies spoken to you fight the good fight of faith with them I know it was an experience that the prophetic words spoken through people not in place of the scriptures but to encourage a man who walks in the scriptures have been my have been part of the saving grace of God through the turns and twists and troubles and trials and tests the promises that he's given me in the word, from the word, to my heart, in my life, in the context of my journey of obedience with him. Those promises have been what I've held to when the, uh, the plane feels like it's upside down and you can't see anything and you're not sure if you can even trust the instruments. Those promises in the word of God 
that have come from me taking time in the word to not only study it and read it, but listen for the author's voice have been the things that have kept me through the war. The praise and worship in my own life when no one's around. One of the hardest things to do in the midst of the battle when you're war weary is to lift your heart and lift your hands and praise him anyway. Come on, some of the greatest times in life come when people, and I'll tell you, some of the greatest witness in life is when everybody's watching going, how is she, how is he? And you're praising God anyway. Man, what a battle weapon you have. And I'll tell you one that you cannot replace. Live streamers, I love you. I love you. And if you're sick and you can't make it and all that, but if you're just floating in a boat somewhere and you know that you can get the gig from me and Furtick and whatever, whoever, whatever, listen, friend, if you played on my football team, we'd be talking about whether you're ever going to be on my team or not. Because you're not going to make it. Because there is a component. Listen, you're already being lied to by not coming now. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> the manifest presence of the Lord in the midst of the gathering of the saints cannot be replaced by ear pads and a, and a smart TV. The manifest presence of the... I read it. I th I, Reader's Digest or God's Word. I'm not sure. Do not forsake the assembly. They're not leaving because of that. They're my friends. <laughs> you never know. The enemy's here. Hey, guess what? What? <laughs> Although. The manifest presence of the Lord... There have been times in your life, I'm sure, and my life, I'm sure. Oh, jeez. I'm going anyway. No, but you can't replace it. I don't apologize for that. I worry about people that are disconnecting, that, 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 that I don't know what it's about. I don't, I don't know what it's about. I do know this. Uh, you know the story of the gingerbread man? It's not in the Bible, but... <laughs> Remember what, it, what the gingerbread man was promised from the one that was going to get him across the river? You know, I am a prophet. I mean, you know, gingerbread man. Anyway. Read Revelation 12. And get back to me. I want to close with this. My job keeps getting easier as time keeps slipping away. I can imitate your brightest light and make your night look just like day. I put some truth in every lie to tickle your itching ears. I'm drawing people just like flies because they like what they hear. I'm gaining power by the hour. They're falling by the score. You know, it's getting very simple now because no one believes in me anymore. Heaven's just a state of mind. My books read on your shelf. And have you heard? God is dead. I made that one up myself. Dabble in your magic spells, get your fortunes read. You know, they heard the truth, but they turned away and they're following me instead. I used to have to sneak around, but now they just open their doors. You know, no one's watching for my tricks because no one believes in me anymore. Everyone likes a winner. Hey, with my help, you're guaranteed to win. You ain't no sinner, man. You've got the truth within. And as your life slips by, you believe the lie that you did it on your own, but don't worry. I'll be there to help you share our dark eternal home. My job keeps getting easier as day slips into day. The magazines, the papers spout every word I say. This world is just my spinning top. It's like child's play. 
I dream it will never stop, but I know it's not that way. Still, my work goes on and on, always stronger than before. I'm going to make it dark before you're done because no one believes in me anymore. I used to have to sneak around. And now you just open your door and no one's watching for my tricks because no one believes in me anymore. Sigrid Unstedt in the book Snake Pit writes, he lay awake most of the night. It came over him that now he understood one thing. A conflict had been waged in the whole of creation since the dawn of the ages between God and his enemy. And all that had life, soul and spirit, took part in the fight in one host or the other. Whether they knew it or not, angels and spirits, men here on earth and on the farther side of death. And it was most commonly by a man's own cowardice that the devil could entice him into his service. Because the man was afraid God might demand too much from him. Command him to utter a truth which was hard to force through his lips or abandon a cherished delight without which he believed himself not strong enough to live. Gain or welfare, wantonness or the respect of others. Then came the other father of lies and caught that man's soul with his old master lie that he demanded less of his servants and rewarded them better. But now he himself had to choose whether he would serve in one army or the other. As I was listening to the Acts yesterday, it rung through my soul when Simon Peter looked out and said, save yourself from this perverted generation. Is there really a storm? Is there really a war? It's beautiful. People are doing well, doing well. Everything's good. It's all good. Isn't there a phrase like that? How you doing? It's all good. Is it? Brains are getting beat up by the devil, but it's all good. Kids don't know Christ, but it's all good. First, we need a savior. And then we need to fight the good fight of faith. Do we really believe in the devil's rage against the world? <coughs> the kids? The nation? People say they really believe, but you know, across the world, across denominational lines, the financial contribution of the average church attender says they don't really believe. The discipleship intensity doesn't say we really believe. There's always a remnant, but are there more in the crowd of the remnant than on the cruise and comfortable ship? The devil rages, it's a sunny day, the flowers bloom, and he says, does God really say? I want to pray this morning, especially today, for a fresh visitation of the power of God to come upon each one of us, but especially on those in the Gen Z generation, ages 11 to 25, who are in this room. I'd love to personally stand here with you at this altar and pray for a fresh encounter of the power of the Holy Spirit to clothe your life like never before. I'd like you to leave this place under the influence of the powers of the ages to come. And I'd also like to pray for those who are here and you're in the intensity of a battle over your faith, over your life, over your body, over your mind. And I don't want you to stand alone. You're not standing alone, but I'd like you to stand firm and that people would stand firm with you and we'll pray and anoint you with oil that the mighty manifestation of the gifts of healing would be released into your life. Would you join me around this altar if you're in those two categories? You're in a Gen Z uh, world, you're 25 and under. I'd love to pray for you, man. I'd love to pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would be fresh on your life. I'd love to pray for those that are in a battle and you need strengthened and you need people standing around you. Father, we're just believing in the name of Jesus for you to do a powerful work, a powerful thing 
Do you release the manifestation of the Spirit of God in this room and in the audience? I challenge you to listen to God and not be offended of how I touched your area of comfort. But you'd listen to God and line up and get in the battle. Fire your weapon, soldier. Quit hiding in the foxhole. Other people are dying. Other people need you. Other people need you. Count the cost and come up higher. Heavenly Father, we're just going to believe that you would just release the mighty manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our midst right now and you would touch people's lives in Jesus' name. I want to ask saints of God, I want to ask spirit-filled brothers, sisters, Connor, Ollie, people, I want you to come around some people. If you know how to get a hold of God, if you know how to get a hold of God in prayer, if you're walking in the Spirit of God, I want you to come and join this and pray with people be led by the Spirit. Come on and believe God. Believe God. There is an anointing today on getting your prayers answered. I don't understand that, but there is an anointing today for God to do something here. I want you to, I want you to get ready for that. Guys, take us there in Jesus' name.